I'm Mr. Marvel, and it's my job to catch you up on all the things going on in the MCU. So settle in, and let's not waste another minute. Welcome to episode number six. For the next few weeks, we will be covering Moon Knight with the hopes of a special midweek episode to break down the long-awaited Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Honestly, we are now 96 days away from the theatrical release, and if we do not have a trailer by Wednesday, April 6th, this movie will officially set a new MCU record. That's right. It will officially pass The Incredible Hulk for shortest release window from trailer to theatrical release. At this point, it's just ridiculous, but the wait will only make us want it more. So for now, I am just going to stop worrying about it until we actually get the trailer. All right, let's dive into this breakdown of Disney Plus's Moon Knight Episode 1, The Goldfish Problem. But before we do, if you have not seen this episode yet, please go ahead and hit pause, then come back and listen once you are caught up. Because as we are moving forward with these Moon Knight reviews, I must warn you, they will be full of spoilers. We will also be doing a little photo collage on our Instagram page every Wednesday night of spoilers that you won't understand unless you've watched the episode. So please make sure you are following us at Mr. Marvel's Minutes on Instagram as you won't want to miss out on the fun. Okay, let's kick this off with the new updated title card. Did you catch it? Did you miss it? Do you even really look at it? Well, they have added the Eternals and taken Spider-Man out of it. This is probably due to the fact that Sony still owns this character. And they probably wanted a lot of money to keep him on that title card. I always like to kick these off with the songs that they use. And these are some great choices for this show. We have everything from A Man Without Love by Engelbert Humperdinck to DJ Caboose, Arab Trap, and the unforgettable Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham. But most importantly, we start the show off with Every Grain of Sand by Bob Dylan. Now, this is a song that Bob Dylan wrote after becoming a born-again Christian. As it alludes to both faith and spirituality, it's a great choice to play as we get our first brief introduction to Ethan Hawke's character, Arthur Harrow, while in the process of what looks like a morning spiritual ritual. We then get to meet Gus. Now, this is just an ordinary one-fin goldfish as far as we know, but there are a bunch of Egyptian fish tank toys. Wait, do fish have toys? Maybe decorations? Anyways, there are a lot of these toys or decorations in this fish tank that do relate to the afterlife, which could connect Oscar Isaac's character to being resurrected by Khonshu. Also, who is this guy selling brooms outside his apartment? I didn't really think brooms would be a go-to choice for a street vendor, but then again, this is London. Moving along, we get 
Oscar Isaac's character talking with a young girl at the museum as she is putting trash in a model of the Great Pyramid of Giza, which is one of the seven wonders of the world and the oldest and largest pyramid. Hmm, a little world history lesson for you. And ironically, Kamala Khan is studying Egypt in world history. Could this have any relation? Probably not at all, but it is definitely interesting. He takes the girl over to another exhibit and explains how in ancient Egypt they performed mummification, except he said it all wrong. The hook through the nose only pulled out part of the brain. Then they made an incision on the left side near the stomach to pull out all the organs. They even pulled out the heart, but put it back after it was dry. All right, history lesson is over, I promise. Ancient Egypt was and will always fascinate me. Now, the weird thing here is this little girl comes right out and asks if it sucked being rejected by the underworld. And Oscar Isaac's character comes right back at her saying how that doesn't make any sense because I'm not dead. But then immediately asks, am I dead? Now, there is something really cool here, probably one of Marvel's best Easter eggs ever. If you pause it right at the five minute and five second mark, you will see a QR code right above the fire alarm. Go ahead and scan this code. You will thank me later. And if you are worried about scanning a random QR code, don't worry at all because I will be posting this information on our Instagram page at Mr. Marvel's Minutes. So make sure you are following. Thank you, Museum Lady Donna. As she calls at him by the name Stevie, we now know that this is Stephen Grant. Now, this does have me a little disappointed as our comic book version of Stephen Grant was that of a Playboy millionaire, not a stock boy at a museum. Also, could this character be a nod to Donna Kraft, who was Mark Spector's publicist at Spector Corp, first introduced in Moon Knight issue number 39? They are doing some after hours inventory, and Stephen brings up how the museum is advertising the Inyad, but two are missing. Now, this does bring up something important here. While Khonshu is not a member of the Inyad in Egyptian mythology, he is a member of Marvel Comics versions of this group of gods. My question here is, could we get the Inyad to show up in this series? Because that would be awesome. As Steven is leaving the museum, we do get a quick glimpse of a postcard rack, which they do look almost identical to the one he got from his mom. Could one of his other personalities be sending these cards to Steven and just saying they are from his mom? Now, I've got two theories here. Steven is talking to a street performer after work. While the performer doesn't talk back as he is a human statue, he is a dead ringer for Bertrand Crawley, who is a character from the comics and played an important role in the Moon Knight series as the philosophical friend to Jake Lockley, who lived on the streets and, you know, kept his ears and eyes open, basically like an informant. 
for the second and most mind blowing part here is that this was all a reflection taking place in a puddle of water. Now, right at the nine minute and 54 second mark, we get a fast pan up and we see a leaf fall onto this puddle to show that this whole scene was that, in fact, just a reflection. I've got to say that the cinematography here is just amazing, and we are only 10 minutes into this episode. We are clearly going to get a lot of mirrored imagery here to showcase the multiple personalities that the two sides of his life are sharing. All right, now we are getting some pace moving into this episode. As he is trying different things to stay awake, I noticed the Rubik's Cube right off the bat. I mean, the multiple sides never lines up. This has to be another hint at his DID. They also hint at the Inyad again and the rift between God and man. This has to be Marvel's hint that Kanchu is going to make an appearance soon. Wow, I was not expecting to see Steven wake up in the grass with what looks like a dislocated jaw, blood in his mouth, and dirt on his face. But he is waking up to a beautiful view of the Alps, so it can't be all that bad. As his dislocated jaw fixes itself, we do hear a voice. Back to sleep, worm. Huh? You're not supposed to be here. Yeah, I completely agree. Where are you? Surrender the body to Mark. Sorry, what? The body? What? Surrender the body? What body? Uh, the idiots in control. Wow, I was not expecting that. Steven does find the scarab in his pocket, and though we don't get a full-frame shot, we do get to hear the voice of F. Murray Abraham as Khonshu. Now, Steven runs towards the village, and we see Ethan Hawke's Arthur Harrow once more. Now, this guy may think what he is doing is good, but he is an outright bad guy. Basically, Arthur is or was a doctor who was up for a Nobel Prize for his work with pain theory. However, it was discovered that he was involved with experiments at Auschwitz and has been continuing them. This would explain the glass he put in his shoes at our opening scene of this series. As Stephen is observing the ritual that Arthur is performing, we do hear Arthur mention Amet, who was also called the Eater of Hearts and is linked to the Scales of Justice as we see the tattoo on Arthur's forearm. This judgment tests the purity of one's heart, and if you fail, Amet essentially kills you Again, we do get Stephen and Arthur interacting with one another as Arthur knows who he is. Stephen, however, is clueless, especially because Arthur calls him mercenary. Now, this is implying that Arthur knows or has encountered Mark Spector before as he is our mercenary. Arthur does ask for the scarab and Stephen is eager to give it to him. However, we hear Kanchu again. A group of villagers finally get the scarab away from Steven. Then, within seconds, he blacks out, only to immediately wake back up with the scarab and his hand 
covered in blood, surrounded by dead bodies. And Kanchu once again saying, The idiot's back. This then cues our car chase scene, which doesn't make much sense as Steven doesn't even have a license, yet he is one hell of a driver to be able to control this cupcake van on these windy roads. But apparently, cupcakes also make for a good defensive weapon. We are now getting a jump between Mark and Steven, basically going back and forth, and Kanchu is getting pissed to the point we get a terrible Venom reference. Then as quick as we got to the Alps, we are back in Steven's apartment as he wakes up, still chained to the bed, thinking everything was just a dream. We also get a few new mirror scenes now showing an additional reflection. So is this the goldfish problem? Because Gus now has a second fin. Steven then rushes Gus back to the pet shop in a blender. Probably not the best way to transport a fish that you really care about. But he finds out he was there yesterday. Knowing he wasn't, he remembered his date and rushes off. As Steven is getting ready for his date, we get another three reflection. Assuming that this is another nod to Kanchu, Mark, and Steven all inhabiting the same subconscious. Now, Steven got all dressed up, got chocolates, bought flowers, only to make it to his date to find out he is two days late. That's right. It is now Sunday. And if you're paying attention, you would remember he went to sleep Thursday night before any of the stuff in the Alps happened. But for a vegan, he did order one best bit of the steak, cooked good, very good. And this is how I'm going to order my steaks from now on. Now, on the way back to Steven's apartment, he's leaving another voicemail for his mom. This is twice now in the series we've had this happen. Who is he really calling? Because we know his mom is not on the other side. Back in Steven's apartment, he comes across an area on the floor where a table has been slid across multiple times, leading Steven to look up only to find a key and cell phone stashed in the wall. After powering the cell phone on, we get a look at the call log and we have two sets of names that we see, Layla and Duchamp. That's right, Jean-Paul Duchamp or Frenchie, as he was called in the comics. He was an integral part of Moon Knight's operation, who we will hopefully have appear in this series. Then there is Layla, who we will hold off on talking about as she has been trying to contact Mark for months, and she should be showing up in either episode two or three of this season. We finally get Mark calling to Steven, warning him to stop before he gets himself into trouble. Steven tries to find where the voice is coming from as he thinks someone's playing a joke on him, but instead finds himself staring into a mirror, but his reflection isn't 
just a reflection. Steven then flees out of his apartment and into the elevator where we get yet another three reflection and then back to two reflections. My take on this is that we see the three shared subconsciences of Mark, Steven, and Khonshu. And that's why we're getting the three reflections. Whereas when we see two reflections, we are just getting the subconscious of Mark and Steven as they hold a closer bond to one another. We finally get our first official glimpse of Khonshu. And oh man, does he look epic. Not comic book accurate, but I still think it looks way more intimidating. Steven then wakes up riding the bus to work, most likely thinking this is all just a dream until he sees Khonshu again. But this time he is just standing on the street and then disappears after a double take. As Steven gets off the bus and heads into the museum, he does see Arthur and a few of Arthur's followers staring at him on the exact same bus. So rushing into the museum, hoping that the security guard will keep anyone that looks shady out, he sees someone walking through the museum that was also on the bus with him. So of course, anybody's first instinct is to follow this person. Then Arthur comes around the corner, ironically, right by a hieroglyph of Amet. Now, they have a little discussion about the scarab and that it's not for Arthur, it's for Amet. So Arthur decides to judge Stephen and see if his heart is good. Stephen passes the judgment, but Arthur senses the chaos inside of him, knowing that he is just an avatar for an Egyptian deity and lets him go. My take on this is that Mark's heart is not in a good place, whereas Stephen's heart is. So this is where we get the chaos as they're both trying to pull in two different directions. What's incredibly confusing here is that after all of this, Stephen just goes right back to work like nothing happened. Maybe he really is just an idiot. As the museum is closing and Steven is headed off for the day, we do get some really weird animal noises. So why not have a look? We do get another really awesome reflection here, though, where Steven walks off, yet two reflections stop and look at whatever is coming after Steven. With a quick chase and a few words from Arthur over the intercom system, Steven finds himself trapped in a bathroom. Here, we finally have a good interaction between Stephen and Mark. If you look closely, you can see hieroglyphs glowing all over the walls as Mark is asking Stephen for control. We get to wrap this episode with Mark gaining control and becoming Moon Knight. Then we get the aftermath of that epic fight in the museum bathroom. Wow. Just wow. That really sums up this most epic episode of Moon Knight. This has got to be one of the best first episodes out of all the Disney Plus shows 
Marvel has released so far. And you would have to be crazy to think any different. What was really cool so far is that everything we saw in the trailer basically happened in this first episode, leaving us with five more episodes that we will have no idea what to expect. And we are just going to have to wait and see what happens next. This does wrap up our breakdown of Moon Knight Episode 1, The Goldfish Problem. But before we go, I just want to talk about some of the news and rumors going on in the MCU this week. All right, rumor has it that Marvel does want Finn Jones to return as Iron Fist, but his return wouldn't be for long as they would be replacing him with Jessica Henwick's Colleen Wig. It's still unclear how they hope to achieve this, but as we now have the multiverse, it does make things easier. Marvel is also set to take on one of its scariest creatures for a Disney Plus Halloween special, and it's none other than Werewolf by Night. Now, could this mean we'll get to be introduced to either of these two characters in one of the Moon Knight episodes? Either way, this special will debut in October, just in time for the spooky holiday season. We also got a new TV spot for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And the craziest thing that I can see here is Wong, Gargantos, and Scarlet Witch fighting together. Now, no matter what happens, this movie is going to be wild. And don't forget to order your tickets April 6th, as you do not want to miss out on this movie. And just in case you were wondering, a few hours ago, Morbius has just scored the second lowest cinema score for any Marvel adaptation. As always, thanks for listening and make sure you are following us on all platforms. Just search at Mr. Marvel's Minutes and make sure you click that little bell so you'll get notified first when we release a new episode. Don't forget to catch us next weekend when we break down another spoiler-filled episode of Moon Knight. Mr. Marvel's Minutes is brought to you by Crafts by Spooky Blonde, where it's spooky, but with some pixie dust. Just search Etsy for Crafts by Spooky Blonde. You can also become a Patreon to help us keep the mic on.